the bigger and more um, beautiful thing to say is we have over a hundred men's life groups. So awesome. Uh, and that's just unbelievable. And that's a culture of if, if you're enjoying this men's breakfast, you need to get into a life group community yeah. because that's where we do life. What's up, fam? This is JJ. We have an awesome mini manso today. Uh, this one is very near and dear for me because, hey, let's face it. Let's be honest. Let's call a spade a spade. We've all been to men's ministries. We've all been to men's groups. Some of them are awesome. And then some of them, like, if you ever say this, uh, hey, sorry, guys, I have to leave my friends. I have a men's group tonight. Hey, sorry, guys, I have to leave my friends. I have a community group tonight. For me, something's wrong. I really have a heart and passion for people in the church who call each other brother and sister actually doing life together, like finding people who you don't just say are in my community group, but they're actually friends. Like we actually enjoy hanging out with each other. We prioritize it. Like we find a way to make it happen because we really have a lot of fun doing life together. And so the whole purpose of this episode is if you have that, then amazing. But <laughs> my hypothesis is that a lot of us men have groups around us that are, are good. We enjoy. Sometimes it kind of feels like a chore to go to. I'm like, man, what would it look like if we all had a men's group around us that we loved going to that was thriving, that was vulnerable, that was rich, and we legit look forward to going to. And so Tim Lukai, he literally does this full time as a ministry and as a consultant. If you guys are wanting to hear more, you guys are at a church that is looking at investing in your ministry, please hit him up at maverickriver.com. Find him, Tim Lukai. You can see his name in the title and hit him up. Before we jump into the episode, two quick things. What I'm loving and in my DMs, what I'm loving. Hey, listen, if you work out and you like any other man celebrate National Chest Day every single Monday, you're hitting up bench and upper body. I have one secret for you. If you want to see your chest explode, like I'm talking Tarzan, silverback gorilla chest that you can beat like a drum and you can feel it come out of your chest. Dude, I have one secret for you. Start doing seated cable flies. Seat, not regular cable flies, not standing up, not using your body. Do a seated cable fly, go through the effort of setting up the bench and then just start knocking those out two, three times a week. Do the, uh, do the high to low, do the medium range, do the low to high, do all the different variations of cable flies. And I'm telling you, your bench press will sky rocket. You are welcome. And number two, in my DMs, boys, my DMs, slide in them. Even if like you've been getting rejected left and right from DM to DM and you just need a little pump me up, practice sliding in my DMs, okay? I'll put on my best feminine flow. I'm just kidding. That's getting weird. But hey, DM me. If you guys need any help or have any questions, DM me. My most recent one that I got that I really enjoyed is, hey, to be honest, I kind of have a nice kind personality. It's just the way I've always been. And me and some friends were talking about the idea and the fact that sometimes it really feels like the nice guy is always passed up. Is this true? Do you have any advice? Should I change anything? Man, this is a great question. Um, 
I, I have a huge heart for this because I definitely think in the earlier years of life, teenage years and twenties, sometimes that charismatic bad boy can be, you know, chased after, but it seems like all the girls and I'm the nice guy just being passed up and being passed up and not to just over spiritualize it off the fact, but I was just reading about Matthew 18, um, today and uh, the disciples were asking Jesus, Hey, like who is going to be the one seated to the left and the right? Actually, it's the guys who I'm named after John and James, the sons of Zebedee who are like, God, can we be at these high positions of honor and heaven? And he was like, man, you guys really don't get it. You really don't get it. I am the God of the universe. And I came down to be your servant, to wipe and clean your feet, to lay my life down for you all. And you're concerned about power. You're concerned about position. You're concerned concerned about being passed up. If you guys want to be the man that you want to be, if you guys want to have any position of value in God's kingdom, then focus on being last, then focus on being the servant of all servants. And I'm like, man, if you're the nice guy, who's kind, who's servant hearted, I don't want you to ever think that you have a position of inferior value compared to anybody. I would just encourage you to double up. I double up on being the ultimate servant leader, double up on being the ultimate kind guy, double up on being the ultimate nice guy. Like that is your superpower of the Holy spirit that is given to us as a gift of God. I don't care who's getting passed up or passed over or what the bad boy gets or whatever. I'm focused on what Christ thinks about me and what he's doing in my heart. And man, I'm going to do one thing for the rest of my life, which is being a servant leader who is quick to listen, quick to lay down my life, quick to extend mercy and kindness. And I don't care what other people might think about that, or if it's attractive or not for girls, which by the way, it a million percent is you want an emotionally, uh, spiritually mature woman who actually values that kind of kindness and that supernatural selflessness of the gospel and the Holy spirit in your heart. So yes, don't concern yourself with anybody and what they think about the nice guy. Focus on what Christ thinks about you and what he demonstrates as far as being that servant leader, kind, nice guy, quote unquote. I've heard people refer to this guy as the nicey, the nicey guy. And yeah, sometimes girls don't know, right, uh, how to value the nicey guy. And that's their problem because they don't know what's really valuable in a partner yet. And that's their problem, not yours. They're going to figure it out one day eventually. So I love you guys. Enjoy the episode today and I will see you next week. Let's go. What's up, fam? We got Tim here in the house. How's it going? It's going great, man. Thanks for having me. Dude, thank you so much for coming the long way to our home studio. Yeah, it was about a three minute commute. So, <laughs> yeah, it took a while. I listened to a podcast actually on the way here, which was great. So Yeah, you listened to it in like 10x speed? Yeah. 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 Well, of course, I was listening to your podcast. Oh, yeah. No, I'm flattered. Yeah, yeah but it would make sense. I mean, you're a married man with three children. And... Yeah. I mean, it's so much helpful things. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you actually listen to podcasts? Oh, yeah. You do? Absolutely. What are your favorite ones? I think, of course, my my podcast. I have to say, no, right? Just kidding. Uh, I do you listen to your episodes? I do re-listen to my episodes okay. more from uh, how can I improve and criticize myself in a good way to to make changes. And yeah, things. not because man, I'm really good at <laughs> man. My Tim, that was so good. That was such a fire quote right there. Yeah, it's more listening, honestly, sometimes to the guest. Yeah. Because when you're interviewing on a podcast, you don't always get to absorb 
what you're hearing from your guests. You're you're more thinking of what what do I ask next and and thinking ahead. Yes. So sometimes it's actually man. I think of a, a guest I had, Morgan Snyder, who who wrote this incredible book, and I was like, I got to listen to that again because there was so much gold. Uh, and he did most of the talking, which was helpful because I didn't have to listen to myself. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I do. I listen to I listen to his podcast. It's, it's called Becoming Good Soil. Okay. Wild at Heart podcast. I listen to Huberman podcast. Yeah. I listen to, of course, yours. Uh, I listen to a lot of like sermons. Uh, those aren't necessarily podcasts, but uh, pastors I enjoy listening to. So sometimes I'll uh, listen to the National uh, Community Church podcast. Yeah, and hear Batterson. Yes. Uh, so those are some of the ones I enjoy. I used to go to his church. You did? Yeah, in DC. No way. Him and uh, there's another church called Capitol Hill Baptist. Okay. With Mark Devers, uh, both are phenomenal, phenomenal teachers. Yeah. DC is just such an intellectual city. Every every church there, just every leader is just very very sharp. Yeah, un- yeah, unbelievable. Batterson's yeah. a hero of mine, so I've listened to a lot of his sermons and read most of his books. Yeah, so it, it's a. I got to visit and meet him last year and, and check out NCC. So, so awesome. Yeah. Okay, but you're not on that coast. You're not with NCC. You're with Mariners Church. Yes, based yes. here in Orange County. Yep. Um, I feel like, you know, my perspective is there's a, if you're in church world, you've heard of Mariners. And if not, if you're in the South, the Midwest, Mariners is maybe not one of those churches that you hear about, even though it is massive. Mm -hmm. How many people didn't, aren't you guys breaking records right now in the past six months? We are, we're on a massive growth, uh, pattern right now, which is incredible to see the, I think we, on a normal weekend, we we made a new record of thirteen thousand people attending at all all our congregations, and those are the numbers we would used to see on like a Christmas weekend or an Easter weekend, and we're seeing that on a normal any given Sunday. So it's amazing, Mariners. One of the things um, that I like, kind of that you said, is you don't necessarily hear about Mariners, and that is it is is intentional in yes. some ways. Our former senior pastor, Kenton, he's so committed to the mission and the city surrounding our church that he had no desire to grow his own platform or the platform of the church. Yep. So it was just like he, he, he has been asked to write books. He's been asked to go and tour and, and speak and do that. And just, no, I, I got to be here and and to shepherd my church. Uh, and Eric is, is pretty similar in the same way. He's just focused on the mission of serving the people of Mariners Church. So the the platform and or the name Mariners, uh, actually Craig Groeschel even said, you're uh, maybe one of the most influential churches that no one's ever heard of. That, and that is a blessing. Yeah. That's a blessing. Amen. I get goosebumps just hearing that quote because I'm like, it is just a silent juggernaut of a church impacting and shaping and uh, everything we've done with you guys so far uh, from the top down, this first staff and culture, it's just um, such lack of ego, you know, in that sense. And I think Tim Keller, he was talking about humility and he goes, you know, the funny thing about humility is you would never walk away from a person saying that they're humble because they're just, they come across so humble because a truly humble person you would walk away from saying, wow, they are just so focused on other people. Mm. That's good. You know, they're just so focused on other people. I'm like, that's exactly when I think about Mariners, I'm like, you know, it's not just like they're 
walking around saying, woe is me, I'm so humble. It's like, uh, they're just so focused on mission and people that there's just no room for branding yeah. and platform and, yeah, it's you a know. beautiful thing. It, it, it really is. And I, I would say that that is uh, pretty standard of who the pastors that we have on staff, the directors we have on staff. It's just the mission is people focused. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so you've been there 15 years. I have. Okay. And you've been with the men's ministry for how long now? Uh, about seven, seven and a half years. Okay, so half the, half the time. Half the time. Okay, and so just some quick stats. Technically, you grew at 4X, right? Uh, Three Over 300%, so over four sure. times. It's grown a lot. Yes. I, I honestly don't necessarily look at it like that, but uh, yeah, it's grown significant. It's yeah. been incredible to be a part of. And, you know, um, I like the way that you kind of describe it. It's... Uh, when you took it over, it was mainly what ninety percent of the guys were fifty-five and older. Would you say? Yeah. So I, I've had a lot of different positions and roles at Mariners. Started as one of the high school pastors, and in even my story, not necessarily ever thinking I would be a pastor at a church. I grew up going to Mariners. I grew up in Irvine, so of course I know Mariners and have been a part of it for a long time, but. Vocational ministry was not at the forefront of my career path, and I was in commercial real estate for several years before uh, I was called into vocational ministry. I worked at Rock Harbor for a short season and then was was looking for another back into the corporate job setting, realizing I love ministry, but I don't think vocationally that's, that's my path. Uh-huh. Long story short, uh, through a lot of things, I said yes to an opportunity to come work at Mariners in high school ministry. And so there's kind of this under, um, there's this, this theme that in my life of just part, partially my resistance is I didn't feel worthy and I didn't feel qualified to be a pastor. And, and so that, that was the theme, you know, in 2008, when I was unsure about saying yes to Mariners, that was the theme when I was asked to be the college pastor. That was the theme when I was asked to oversee the rooted discipleship program mm. And more than anything, it was definitely a theme that I felt saying yes to the, being the men's pastor. And uh, there's a quote by Batterson since we brought him up multiple times. And he's just, he says this a lot, and maybe it's part of his own story, is God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Yeah. And that is something that I've held on to because I didn't feel qualified. But if you look in scripture, None of those dudes, none of some of the pillars of faith that we study today yeah. are guys that were scholars and religious theologians. Uh, they were fishermen often and, uh, you know, repeatedly guys who weren't qualified for the job that God yep. called them to. And so I, I th- that was the same thing with the, the men's pastor. My resistance was I was 35 at the time. Historically, what I had seen in those first seven years is that was led by uh, a guy older than me, and it was led older than me because the ministry was 55 plus. Um, and so when I got pulled into that room, hey, Tim, we think you should be our next men's pastor. It was like, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm too young. I can't be, I can't be uh, leading up to these old dudes. They're not going to listen to me, nor do I feel worthy of it. Um, and they said, well, that's precisely why we want you to do it. We actually want you to build a multi-generational men's ministry. And at the time I was a college pastor, 
So my reach was all 20 somethings. Yeah. <clears throat> so it, it made sense, but I was very resistant to it uh, at first. Well, I, I can't wait to hear how actually that equipped you, right? Being a college pastor, having young life roots, right? Having that really youthful experience and energy, right? How that impacted you, you know, going in there, but we'll, we'll get there in a sec. Okay, great. Um, so, but speaking of men's ministries, I, I heard fun fact the other day, this blew my mind. Um, 10% of churches in the U.S. have a men's ministry in some kind of capacity. Yeah. Is that true? As far as I know, that's the stat that I've read as well. Uh, I think there was definitely in the 90s and, and maybe early 2000s, uh, men's ministries were exploding. And you, you hear about ministries like Promise Keepers and and all these different ministries that were really uh, focused on men. And I don't even really know why necessarily that that, um, that era of really uh, reaching and, and, and building men's ministries is, is kind of went dormant for a season. And so part of my call is to help churches build men's ministries because I just believe the impact is is so critical. If you really build the heart of a man and point him to Jesus, you're really going to reach his entire family. You're going to build yes. the church. You're going to build the yes. community. You're going to build the workplace. Uh, so there's such a massive rippling effect of if you see a guy truly encounter Jesus and his life is radically changed, you're going to change 10x uh, the other lives that will be changed as a result. Well, the same person who told me that fun fact said, well, you know, what we saw in the past 25 years is with the boom of VBS and children's ministries and women's ministries, they said, actually, statistically, they, they followed it. They said, if you can run a children's ministry effectively and invite kids who have no Christian background, you can, and they become a Christian, they're interested, you can typically convert about 35% of the family. Mm -hmm. Then they said, if you invite a woman, a woman with a family, the wife, the female, and she comes and she becomes a Christian, you can convert about 45% of the family. Yep. Do you know what it is if you can conver if you can convert the man? I think it's not in the 90s. Yeah, it's like 88%. Yeah. Which is mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. But And it's more mind-blowing that then the church would only have 10%. And it's like, it doesn't really make sense. Like as far as like the balance and the, way, the, the weight of the scale... Who we're chasing. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's my calling. Yeah. Is, is to help churches build men's ministries because I believe, I truly believe if you build the man, you can build the church and, the, and then you build the family and then you build all these things around it. Uh, but that man has to truly like surrender his life to Jesus and be transformed. Yes. Otherwise, the stat means nothing. Yes. Uh, men attending a church is different than men being activated and fired up to follow Jesus. Amen. Okay, so before I ask you uh, some some qu some questions about uh, men's groups and how you run them and how you elevate them and, and what you think you know is the key to activating, mm -hmm. I have a would you rather question that we ask okay. all the all the men that come on. Let's go. Okay, so would you rather fight an ostrich to the death, or would you rather fight a shark to the death? But the worst thing that can happen to you is you lose a limb. So you either kill the shark or if you lose, right, the worst thing that can happen is you just only lose one limb of your choice. So I, if I fight the ostrich, I have the probability death could happen. It's mono, it's mono, mono. Only one person is getting out alive. One but mammal is getting I out alive. If I fight a shark, 
I'm not going to die, but I might lose a limb is what you're telling me. Guaranteed. If you don't kill the shark, you're going to lose a limb. Yeah. I, this is a great question. Um, (laughs) thank you. I'm a surfer. So you're out there with him. I'm out there. And uh, you seen one? Well, I've never seen a shark in Southern California. Okay. I've, I've swam with sharks in you know, in Hawaii and different places. Um, but those were like reef sharks. Yeah. You know? They're, they're not necessarily aggressive, although they could bite you. Right. Um, you know, I don't like sharks, but I can't say I have a fear of sharks, but I feel like an ostrich would really freak me out more than a shark. As weird as that could, like, I feel like I'd rather fight a shark. Is there something there with, with ostriches or, or big birds? Yeah. Like, I, you know, we, we live near a lake. We both live in the same neighborhood and there's these, these white geese that are actually kind of tall. Like, you know, with that long neck, they're probably, I don't know, three and a half, four feet tall. The swans. The swans. Yeah. They're, they're, well, there's the swans. Those are mean. Yeah. But then there's also these, these mean. Big geese. And like, I'll be walking around the lake and one of them is like in the middle of the path. Like you think you're going to cross. Yeah. It's like, you shall not pass. You shall not pass. And I got to be honest, like it freaks me out. <laughs> and an ostrich is much bigger than a, a goose. Like and it's like ten times the they're size. Huge. Yeah, they're massive. So the ostrich to me, and and by the way, I, there's a place up in near Solvane. Yeah, it's called Ostrich Land. And you can actually go and see these ostrich and feed. No one's answered this question in this detail. By the way, no, no, this is even and better. So we stopped on the way. We were on a family vacation. We stopped show the kids the ostrich land and you pay to get like this bowl of food and they're freaking aggressive. They are mean. And that beak is, is, is not small. Right. I don't want to fight that ostrich. A lot of guys will answer and they've never been face to face with. Oh, I've been face to face with an ostrich. Luckily there was a fence in between us. Okay. So I felt safe. Yeah. Yeah. But they can reach that long neck through. And I was like, whoa. This thing is way bigger than I expected. I'm not interested in fighting an ostrich. Dude, that is so funny. Well, yeah. first of all, <clears throat> what kind of person starts an ostrich land, right? I would, I know there's like safari parks. Business. Yeah. It's a lucrative Was it business. packed out? Uh, it wasn't, but we were for like one of the first groups in the morning. But this, you know, you've, you've heard of Disneyland. Like it's right there underneath it. And a <laughs> lot of people land. stop and they make a lot of money off feeding those ostrich. <laughs> they sell season tickets. They yeah, just, yeah, people yeah. love to the come back. passes are a big thing. Um, so if you're listening and you're in the Solvane area, did you check out ostrich land? Uh, I that get, is I get so funny. three cents for every time I send something. <laughs> oh, you're, you're an ambassador of ostrich <laughs> I am land. I'm an ambassador, but I won't fight one. No okay. Way. We'll put uh, Tim's hyperlink to ostrich land, oh, uh, in the, in the so bio good. and description. And yeah, you guys check out ostrich land. Yeah. They're actually a sponsor for today's episode. Yeah, ostrich land <laughs> is. Make sure you stop by on your way to, uh, Northern California. So funny. I'll fight the shark. Let's, <laughs> okay. Let's go. Lose what limb? Oh, that, that's he, that's a tough one. Left arm? Yeah, left arm. Yeah. I, think, uh, I don't want to lose an arm, but if I have to lose a limb. Yeah. Can't I mean, do a leg. No, I got to walk. Can't be a peg leg. I mean, there's a surfer named um, Bethany Hamilton who got one of her arms bit off by a shark. I don't know if you've heard about her. She's amazing. Soul surfer? Is soul, that? Yeah, soul surfer. That's her. And she shreds. With one still arm. okay, so oh, yeah, she's so you're all set. Unbelievable surfer. I don't know. I I I don't even want to compare myself to her. She you can actually get so thinking about that one arm too. It gets so jacked. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean she surfs 
legit waves in Hawaii. She's not phased to to come face a shark anymore. <laughs> so but I impressive. Bet you she would she would take a shark over an ostrich all day if you're on. She's like been there, done that. It's yeah, not it's that like, bad. Oh, I don't want to. All right, so hey, all right, let's hop in. So I use this word, it's a, it's, a, it's a loaded question. I don't necessarily say it maybe from my perspective, but I definitely have heard this before. And it might be one of those things that you might've heard often. Um, so I'll just ask it. Have you ever been in a boring men's group? And you know what drives maybe this attitude and feeling of someone saying, I just, it's a boring, and that's community group in general, but specifically, um, well, first of all, I want to make sure I understand the question. Um, a, a men's group or a men's ministry? A men's group, when I hear group, maybe it's just the Mariners culture in me. That's like a small group of 10 to 12 guys. Yes. Or are we talk in a, a big men's ministry. Thing? Let's start with ministry and then we'll go into group. Uh, well, I haven't been a part of, of many men's ministries. If I mean, I don't think I've been a part of any men's ministries other than what I'm a part of now. Yeah. So I can't necessarily speak for, oh, I, when I was at this church and this church and that church, but um, because I've talked to a lot of churches about men's ministries, uh, it's, it's, it's not necessarily boring, although it could be boring. It's just that it's complacent. It's flat. It's not exciting. It's not vibrant. It's not activated. Uh, and often what I hear as I'm talking to churches is, our demographic is is 60 plus. Uh, there's this kind of thing that happens is in guys in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, they don't have time to engage with church and or a men's ministry, which is a second tier. It's like, yeah, we go to church on Sundays and that's about as much as we can give ourselves to, uh, let alone a, a men's group on a Tuesday morning or a Tuesday right. evening or whatever it may be. Um, but I think that's just a thinking like what, how are you prioritizing your life? What's important? I think the most important uh, people group as far as age demographic to connect to the church is a 20s and 30s or in a 40s. Yes. Uh, and, and that just naturally happens. Guys in their 50s and 60s, 70s plus, they just have more time to get involved. And it's not that it's not important for their well-being, their spiritual growth, their walk with Jesus. It's just that we need to reach guys in their 20s, 30s, and 40s because for many reasons, but one of which is the divorce rate happens, I think around 27 to 36 is, is when divorces most frequently happen. Okay. So I believe- I didn't that, know that actually. I thought it was later. Uh, I think that's what I've read. I don't okay, know if yeah, it's, yeah. it's 100% accurate, but it's right around that okay. window. Probably more, I'd say a little bit later in the 20s, 28 to maybe 39 or something. Okay. But I believe- that has a lot to do with the prioritization of life of, of those guys not necessarily engaging in growth. Well, it makes sense. I mean, think about yeah. a guy who's 31, married, maybe not married, Saturday morning, 9 a.m., and he has a tea time with three of his buddies, or there's like a men's ministry event at his church. Yeah, no doubt. Right? Like, he's going to say, I mean, I know they're both, quote, important but like obviously golf is if he chooses golf he might not say golf is more important than you know this men's ministry but that is what he's saying by his choice right this is more important to me yeah, to have fun exactly. and go out and golf is a great example because guys love to play golf it's it's communal they're connecting with some buddies but they're also 
it, it helps their physical, it helps their mental health. It's, it's a way that they unwind and, and, and just, um, connect with other dudes. But how about the 31 year old that has three kids at home and Saturday is sacred. Yeah. They have a soccer game yes. or, uh, you know, their wife just needs a break and Hey, I'm going to go do this while you watch the kids Yes, because you've been at work Monday through Friday and late hours. So it's a, it's a tough situation, which by the way, which is part of the reason our men's breakfast always has childcare available for guys so that they can still take the kids with them to the men's breakfast so great. and their wife can get a couple hour break. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's an area that I'm always thinking about because when we when we kind of re-energized the men of Mariners men's ministry, it was all about reaching a younger demographic. It was how are we going to build a vibrant multi-generational men's ministry? It's having to forward think, go, what are the barriers? Well, barriers could be a kid. Yeah. I can't I can't get rid of uh golf as an option on a Saturday morning, but I can create a, a men's breakfast that's so uh, exciting to be a part of and that I don't want to miss that I'm willing to do a later tea time or I don't need to golf on Saturday. It's only every other month. Yeah. So how do you get So that's great. I love that because most of the guys listening, we do have single parents. Shout out to the dads that listen because mm-hmm. I love it because they're dating, right? And they're doing single parent life. Um, how do you get to that place? Because I definitely, I look back, I don't know about you, over my 20s, and I'm like, there were just a lot of times where on Saturdays, I probably prioritized, especially earlier, I prioritize fun and the golf course and leisure and pleasure than I probably would have over that. And I hate to say that because I, I wish I could have found more value in a men's ministry that might have been doing something. But how did you get to that place where it's like, no, no, no we, we are seeing guys now consistently prioritize it because it is that experience that we want to cultivate. Well, you said the word fun. And so I always want to create environments that are fun, that are exciting, that are going to be funny, that we're laughing and we're also raising our hands and worshiping and there's great worship. And that when that speaker gets up, that he is giving a compelling biblical message that is encouraging, inspiring and challenging. And that I'm I'm not going, that was lame. That was boring. I wish I went golfing. I wish I slept in. It's like, no, I want to create an environment that is is going to be all the feels. I'm going to laugh hysterically. I might be convicted and challenged or inspired and encouraged or all those things so that when I leave, I'm like, there was 500 other dudes in the room and just that energy of this movement of men that are prioritizing going to church and getting serious about their walk with Jesus, I I need to be a part of that. And I want to not only attend, I want to figure out what I need to do personally and how I need to engage and serve and get connected and uh, go to the the weekly men's life group they're talking about. Right. So uh, church better be fun. Yeah. Like, and, and men's ministry, heck that like double down. It better be fun. I'm a, I'm a youth pastor that just ultimately created a men's ministry that's a youth ministry for men. <laughs> because you know what? Most of us, like, that wild, fun side, we we don't grow out of it. We right. still want it. We still want it. And a lot of us are, like, 
you know, I'm 43 and I, I still like act like I'm 21. Yeah. And, and that's not a bad thing. No, right. It doesn't it's have just now there's levels like it could be right. Our lack of maturity and, and life decisions, right. And responsibilities or emotionally. Right. Or in your relationship. Right. If you're still acting like yes. a 21 year old, no, of course we, yeah. we need to be uh, mature adults and responsible. Right. And, but at the same time, we're allowed to laugh and play and actually think laughing and playing is a big missing link in men's ministry. Yeah. It's like, no guys need to laugh. Guys need to uh, do a, a ridiculous game on stage, just like we did in youth ministry. Yeah, like I will never forget this scene where we we actually do skits at our men's retreat, <laughs> and it's like I took a big risk at main camp doing skits, and it's me and my buddy. He's way funnier than me. I play more the like straight guy, and he's like all humor, but together it works. And guys just loved it, and that's a strategy. It's not just like oh we should do skits that'd be funny. No, it actually, by getting to guys to laugh in the beginning part of the program at a, at a men's retreat is actually breaking down walls so that they can better uh, receive what God has for them in that space. Yeah. And so anyway, we do this game. And of course, it's like drink this nasty drink, this like, you know, half like concoction of nasty concoction. What's in it? Oh, there was hot like there was hot sauce. There was syrup. There was Fanta <laughs> orange soda. Uh, there was all sorts. Did guys throw up? Yeah, there was a couple guys that like, <laughs> tried it and were spitting it out. And then um, they neither of them, like the two guys that were challenged to do it, like they both like opted out. And it was like, come on. Oh, and come on. This is like in a, a room of 450 guys, these, these dudes opted out. So this dude runs up on stage. <laughs> he grabs the leader of nasty... He chugs it, the entire thing, and, and everyone's screaming and going, <laughs> going crazy. berserk. And he lifts up his hands and he yells, This is man camp. <laughs> and the room erupted. And it was like the most epic moment. Well, that's a scene you would see at a junior high camp, at a high school camp. But why isn't it a scene you would see at a men's ministry? It needs to be. And that actually, that moment, um, and that was literally within the first 25 minutes of our first program thing in the worship hall at this camp. And it did, did a lot of things for a lot of people more than anything. It created energy. excitement. Yeah. It created laughter and it began like, Oh, like this isn't boring. Yeah. This isn't lame. This isn't not fun. Right. This is ridiculous. And that dude totally puked later. Yes. And that's actually awesome. And that's yes. okay. Yes. And he was like, I don't care. It was worth it. Yeah. And that's, that's just fun. And so that's a long answer, but, uh, man, it's a, I just, I can't remember the last time I heard an answer like that because, you know, and side note, by the way, um, you can take this one, bro. And, um, my, one of my college ministries, Campus Outreach, they did like annual conferences with like, you know, games and stuff and icebreakers and relay races. They, <laughs> I'll never forget because we, we all have these youth group experiences. <laughs> they, I watched it, dude. <laughs> I'm trying not to break because I'm picturing it now. At the end of the relay race, they had cups of water with goldfish in them. Oh yeah. Chugging a goldfish. And they made these guys chug goldfishes. That's so gross. And it was like <laughs> the room was dying yeah. like in disbelief. Yeah. 
and it was like people for like it took like 15 minutes to like calm the room down yeah and i just i just like in my made my so brain memorable. for forever yeah it's so memorable at 11 o'clock at night i'll just be laying there in bed i'm like i cannot believe i watched a guy drink a goldfish yeah. and i'll never forget it's it it's terrible yeah it's terrible but at, at the same time it's so awesome are you going to incorporate that one into main camp uh we've talked about it <laughs> that <laughs> we did um we did one uh, some game where you had a, like kind of like a, a Pike's Place market up in Seattle. We yeah. had something where you, it was like a a big old dead fish that we chucked around a room and it just smelled awful. So I'm like, maybe we should stay away from live or dead animals. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and like, I don't, I don't know if that's a, I don't know if the animal rights people would. I know that's the us. that's literally what I, I'm like. Why don't we do it every day? But okay. Anyway, so uh, my question for you. Um, so you guys do big ministry really well. You do retreats really, really well. You do three retreats a year, not just one, which I love. I'm like, mm -hmm. why is it just one, you know? But how does the big activities and the and the big communal responses and gatherings, does that flow into the small group life that you guys do so well? Or is it the inverse? Do the small groups, you know, collectively make up that ministry? And then it's just Saturday is just a convening of what's already going on. Like what kind of flows into what and how do you guys... Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the strategy is Mariners has a very, very strategic pathway. We call it the transformational loop. And um, ultimately, group life is is the stop where men's ministry and any adult ministries falls on. And so if you look at the four stops on our kind of strategy, you don't see men's ministry. You don't see singles ministry. You don't see women's ministry. But it all falls under group life. Group life is ultimately life groups. And what we call rooted is kind of the open door to, to get into community. So one of the most important strategies that we have and we see life change happen most frequent is in the weekend service and in groups, small groups. And so um, men's ministry is part of group life because really, first and foremost, the number one goal we do is we want to put people, we want to put men in groups. We just feel like that's where God really um, moves and we see life change most frequently. And so uh, when the big events, the men's breakfast, the retreats, uh, they're what I would call a wide end of the funnel event. And the goal isn't um, to just do a, a really great event well. Uh, of course, life change happens. God moves and guys are inspired and whatever challenged in those large group settings, but really the goal and the next step is all about getting them into a small group community. Okay. So the wide end of the funnel, let's, let's say it's our uh, kayak retreat in Catalina. We take 50 guys, we go to Catalina. We don't kayak to Catalina. We take a boat to Catalina and we kayak <laughs> okay, about eight so, miles. Yeah. A lot of people think we kayak to Catalina. I mean, that'd be that'd so be, impressive. That'd be tough. That's a 26 mile paddle. We do an eight mile paddle into this private little cove. Um, and it's an incredible, um, trip it's been going for this this is actually year 25 oh my goodness and the reason we have three retreats is because we have unbelievable leaders so to build a vibrant kick butt men's ministry it's all about building a core leadership team and a bigger leadership team that's going to execute the mission yeah if you don't have great leaders and massive buy-in and committed activated dudes you're not going to get very far and i should also say even before that, if you don't have a senior pastor or an executive leadership team that believes in men's ministry, it's going to be a really tough road. Uh, but back to the kayak retreat, Scott McAdam, who leads that and has for 25 years, uh, one thing that we 
him and I are always saying it's not about the kayaking. It's not about Catalina. It's not about snorkeling. It's not about, it's all about getting guys connected to Jesus and then doing life together in a small group community. That's, that's the why. And that's the why for the men's breakfast. That's the why for man camp. That's the why for everything we do is, is, is ultimately getting guys into life groups uh, and, and into community. And so, Oh, uh, one of the more impressive things that I brag about more than, oh, there was X amount of guys at the men's breakfast or we sold out Forest Home, which is where we do our main camp, 400 plus guys. The bigger and more um, beautiful thing to say is we have over 100 men's life groups. So awesome. Uh, and that's just unbelievable. And that's a culture of if if you're enjoying this men's breakfast, you need to get into a life group community yeah. because that's where we do life. Yeah. And that's where we guys, we need to not isolate. We need to do life together and support one another in prayer and dive into God's word and, and live it out together. So that, that's the, that's the why. And that's now, are there guys who hear about the men's breakfast in their life group and decide to go together uh, and hear about some of the other things we do via the life group? Sure. There's a reverse order, but more often, uh, the most important thing about a men's breakfast is the next step. Yes. One awesome thing to brag about, I mean, in the sense of like, that is the ultimate goal of success is if we get this guy into a life group. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, aside from uh, uh, maybe a non-believer giving their life to Jesus, that, that would be the number one or right. a guy who's, you know, wavered in his faith and having a really rough time that he breaks free from addiction or stronghold or as his marriages are restored. We celebrate and we want to praise God for all those things. Those are all the why, but from a strategic perspective, we want to get guys in a community. Well, I mean, I think about all those salvations and all those hands that we've ever seen in our whole entire life. I'm like, I'm not, uh, this is like out there to say, but I'm like, I'm not sure how valuable they are though, if there's no follow-up. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's, if there's no group for them to fall back into, if there's no community, if there's no one, you know, finding them, chasing them, you know, and saying like, no, 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 there's so much more than this decision. It's a journey that you've embarked on, right? Exactly. Don't go on this alone because it, it's not going to go well for the most part. You know, mm-hmm. obviously there's so many different situations. Now with the men's groups, you know, um, and I think that's where we probably don't have tons of like, pastors listening to this, there are definitely a few guys who are on staff at churches, which is great. If I'm a single guy here and I'm looking at my church and I don't maybe have that executive leadership team, we don't have the resources for a men's pastor. Uh, where would you say I would, I should start? Like, you know, can I just do a men's group on my own? Can I gather the, the men, the men in my life right now and friendships I have and we create some semblance of, of community and friendship and, and group together or absolutely where would I go? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that probably most churches, and we talked about that stat of only 10% of churches in the U S have a men's ministry, uh, where that stat isn't like where it may be different is that doesn't mean that most churches in America don't have a men's group. So let's just say it's, uh, you know, Holy Trinity Church in Texas. There's probably one of them. I don't even know. I'm not referring to the probably, real church. Probably like six or seven. Yeah, nine. probably like yeah. six or seven. Say they don't have a men's ministry, but I went and found out at their uh, connect team that there is a men's group that meets on Thursday nights 
Yeah. There, that probably exists at just about every church. There's probably at least one men's group, not men's ministry. Uh, and maybe that's what they call their men. Yeah, we have a men's ministry. It meets on Thursday nights. There's six guys that come. Yeah. Or there's 10 guys that come. Okay, that's that's their men's ministry. Great. So you can probably go and find a men's group at your church. You probably It probably exists. And if it doesn't, absolutely grab grab those guys in your life that have that same heart to, to be in community and do life together and formalize it more than just hanging and going and golfing or, or grabbing some beers and watching the game. Because in those settings, more, most often we're going to keep a high level conversation and we're not going to actually dig into what's really exactly going on. Right, right. So there has to be intentionality around it. A guy like you going, Hey, uh, instead of golfing every other week, like why don't we take one week off and before or after we golf, I'll bring a scripture and we'll unpack it together and we'll try to apply it to our lives and we'll pray for one another. It can be that simple. So would you just say maybe a good way to say it is like the friendships that you have now, right? Is the, can be the men's group or community that you're looking for. It Absolutely. just takes the, the secret sauce is just intentionality. It takes, uh, it takes a leader. It takes a leader. So for you, JJ, if that's you, it takes you going, I need this. So I'm going to create this and I'm going to ask who wants to be a part of it. Yeah. You have to. Ha and then, of course, you need those friends in your life to want that and create space and time to do it. Totally. But, you know, I guess a leader would just be someone who says, you know what, if it's going to be anybody's responsibility to be intentional and not just let this float by and be another golf tea time. Let this be another Thursday night football and hanging out with pizza and beer. Yeah. Like. I will happily shoulder that responsibility to be the first to volunteer, right? To be vulnerable, to come with, I think preparation is a big one. Like I'm all for spontaneity and having fun, but I think, you know, the difference between a great meeting sometimes and a good meeting is not spontaneity, but it's preparation. That's right. Right. Couldn't agree more. Like there has to be, uh, a leader that's like, no, this is this is more or less what what I'm hoping for. Yeah. If you want to be a part of it, let's jump in. And if you took that initiation as a leader to start something like that, probably over time, someone will be like, dude, let's take turns leading. Yes. And I'll prepare this week. And and you know, I have lots of men's groups that do it that way. And you know what most say, man, it's a lot when I lead. But it's amazing when I lead. I dig in. I'm reading over scriptures, commentaries. I'm preparing. I'm thinking of the right questions so that the, our time will actually be really fruitful and meaningful. Uh, but it's always everyone like wants to be a part of it. But the, oftentimes, especially I've seen with men, they don't want to lead it. Yeah. So you need totally. that leader. That's a, that's a pivotal starting place because most guys are like, yeah, you know what? I would join that. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I would join that too. If someone asked me right now in that sense, but, and I would also just encourage anybody who I think to lead, you don't have to be doing sermon prep and pouring over and have like your five point thesis ready to present with your PowerPoint. I think the best leaders are actually the ones who can lead in vulnerability initially and then let everyone else, right. hundred percent like speak up in their vulnerability, which is just through great questions. Yep. Right. The best leaders ask the best questions. Don't 
give the best presentations. Yeah. And then I think that can be a hindrance and a, a block where it's like, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't think I could lead your group because I don't know much about scripture. I'm not prepared to teach it. It's like, look, why don't you read the scripture together? As a group and <laughs> yeah. go, hey, like even better. Yeah. Let's, let's, um, if there's no homework for a men's group, it's probably, um, the best curriculum you can do. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of men's curriculum and content out there. And the reality is most guys just don't do their homework. I know. Yeah. And I'm guilty of that too. Yeah. Same. So I always say, Hey, the best thing you can do is, uh, decide what you're going to read and and grab whatever verse or whatever. Oh, we're going to go through Romans and we're just going to unpack it one chapter at a time. And, and when you're preparing, just go at what, what three questions are we going to ask? Yes. Uh, as it pertains to the scripture. And there you go. There's your hour of group and you'll probably run out of time. So good. Okay. So two closing questions would be this. Um, number one would be, um, what's the importance of maybe activity, uh, or just some kind of venue or campfire to men's group and men's, you know, just communing. I just, for me personally, I know this is like a personal thing. I just like a coffee shop for me, meaning I know we met at a coffee shop. I didn't mind it, but if you and I went out and surfed for an hour and a half and had the same conversation, it would have been maybe not five times more enjoyable, but I would have felt even more connected with you. And I, I think about guys on Thursday nights or whatever, what's the importance of activities and how should I view activities right with a men's group because you hear like let's go do Krav Maga let's have this golf group right yeah, yeah, and yeah. sometimes a group might over focus on the activity or the kayaking mm-hmm. versus the connection and then you know how how should I frame and think about activity as it relates to men's group no I it's pivotal because most of us guys we more naturally are honest and authentic when we're doing something okay um like alongside another guy yeah so for example you're a golfer i know you enjoy golf i'm terrible i enjoy it but what i say is i might i might have been golfing with this guy for eight or nine holes until he opened up that his marriage is falling apart or that he's really struggling with this or that and so it's it's by doing that guys eventually will get honest and real about what is really going on in their lives, both victories or struggles or trials. Like, but at, at the first and second hole, it's just like, oh yeah, it works fine. It's all yeah, everything's good. Totally. All, all good. And so, you know, in in whether you're dating or or married, if you're wondering why your boyfriend or your husband are you want to have more meaningful conversations, I would say, well, go for a hike. Well, remember when you guys, when you were first dating, you'd go on bike rides or yeah. you you were like, I joke because my wife actually surfed with me three times in our first year of dating. She hasn't surfed with me since because uh, that's not her jam. She's scared of sharks. She would take the ostrich all day, but she <laughs> knew default, that yeah. um, I could connect with him and by doing something that I know he loves. So my, my podcast is actually called Maverick River Conversations in the Wild. And the whole premise is when guys are out in the wild, hiking a mountain, skiing, surfing, whatever, that's when we actually get real and honest. Uh, a, a bonfire, you had mentioned a fire pit, it, 100% the same thing. We're outside, there's fire, there's something about being outside in a circle where eventually the conversation around a fire pit will probably become a, a more vulnerable, honest conversation about 
some of the things we're working through is, guys. So it's pivotal. It's pivotal to a men's ministry that there is recreation, there's activities, uh, there are things that um, that guys want to do uh, more actively, and that helps them engage. And that might be the first step. Like uh, we, we mentioned the kayak trip, like that guy's not interested in going to church, but he's definitely interested in an adventure. Like I'm down to go kayak 23 miles over a course of a weekend, and turns out he's falling apart inside and there's intentional environments for him to share that for the first time. And that's because kayaking got him there. But he didn't, if it said, Hey, do you want to meet with me in a coffee shop and share what's really going on? No, no, thank you. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, there's definitely some guys and maybe even me, you know, in spots where I'm just like, no, I, I don't want to just go to a coffee shop and talk for an hour about my feelings. I joke with the fire pit thing because the fire pit, I love a fire pit. Uh-huh. And for a lot of different reasons, I joke and said, hey, JJ, would you want to come over? Like there's a bunch of guys. We're, we're going to hang out in my backyard around the fire pit. And we're, we're or sorry, I said it wrong. There's a bunch of guys coming over and we're going to sit in my backyard in a circle and we're going to talk. Do you want to come? <laughs> I mean, that's what a fire pit hang is. But yeah. if I said, hey, JJ. Um, we're going to drink some, some, some really good whiskey and we're going to sit around the fire and it's going to be dope. You want to come over? Yeah. Heck yeah, that sounds awesome. I know. But if I didn't say that there was a fire pit involved or maybe a bottle of bourbon, not saying that you should do that or whatever, but that is the, the barrier to entry for us to actually hang and, and yeah. be in a place that we need to be in. We need to be in those fire yeah. chats. Something, I think it's just something mentally happens when... I don't know. I don't want to say cool, but it's just something that I would be, I would love to do with my time. Mm-hmm. And if that's the kind of, I don't know, I just think about like the, just some kind of on-ramp, you know, if that's the on-ramp onto the arc, that's you it. know, if that's the on-ramp, then that's great. Yeah. So all day, that's, that's part of the strategy in, you know, we have a golf ministry, we have a mountain bike thing. Yeah. We got all, all sorts of rec groups. We go deep sea fishing. There's a surf group that meets on Fridays and those are, um, those help equip our leaders to invite people to spaces that, yeah. uh, wouldn't be, you know, their first step might not be a men's breakfast or a men's group or even a weekend service. They might have their, their issues with church, but they're like, I love to surf. I know. I know. That's amazing. Well, I mean, I, yeah, there's a place for a Sunday service, but it's more about Monday through Saturday, right? That's where real life is actually going down. Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, best place to find you would be? Yeah, so uh, we didn't talk much about it, but maverickriver.com um, is where you can find about the ministry that I'm doing. The What what I feel like God has really called me in, in this season is not only to minister to the men at Mariner's Church, which I'm going to continue to do, uh, but to help churches build men's ministries. Right. So if someone is listening to this and they can volunteer their church or talk to their church and, and book a call with you and, yeah, you know, to. say, hey, like we would love to take men's ministry more seriously. And you're like, great. I've been doing it for eight years. Absolutely. I would, I would I'd be happy to help. And one thing that I want to make clear is you can build a men's ministry with a, a couple excited dudes that are volunteers in the church. Yeah. You don't necessarily need a staff person. You don't need a men's pastor, a men's director, or a part-time person. If you can build a team, you can build a men's ministry. And so that's where I would come alongside a church and really help them uh, to build a men's ministry. Cause I believe, you know, you build a, a healthy men's ministry, you're going to build a really healthy vibrant church. So 
yeah, come check it out. That's great. Yep. That's great. I love it, man. So Maverick City and then you have a Not Maverick City. That, sorry. That's a worship event. Maverickriver.com. We'll edit that. Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> My bad, bro. No, you're good. Maverickriver.com. Yes, sir. Instagram. Yeah. It's uh at Maverick underscore river. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, bro. I actually I'm super excited to to see the feedback from this. I oh. think. Um it's exciting. Like working it's weird to say this, but I do feel like men's ministry and men's group is a niche in the Christian world. It is. But it's exciting to see that it is kind of like underserved and the the roadmap ahead of you. I actually am super excited to see in two years, five years, ten years where it leads. I appreciate it. I love being on your show and all the the ministry that you guys do is amazing. Amen. Thank you, bro. Thank you.